Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 6. Good to see all of you here today. And we have guests and visitors and members alike. And I would simply say to you this morning, let God work in your heart. You're here not by accident. Uh, I believe in divine appointments. The Lord has something for you today. And you might have come this morning thinking that, well, we're just going to go to church, but God has something for your heart today. John chapter 6, please. We're going to read verses 28 through 41. We're going to ask the Lord to bless the preaching of His Word this morning as well. Let's begin in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 28. Follow along with me as I read. The Bible says, Then said they unto Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. You know, the hardest people to convince of something are those who've already made their minds up that they won't be convinced. Um, you heard the saying before that you really can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped themselves. You've heard that saying before. And you know it's true. Somebody has a great need, you're trying to help them, but if they don't want the help, they're going to be convinced still uh, in their own heart, and their own mind, and you can't really help make change. And so the hardest people to convince of something are those who've already made their mind up that they're not going to be convinced. I think uh, a modern-day example of that is, is Facebook. Uh, Facebook comments. Facebook, in my opinion, uh, even though I'm on it way too much, is stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. And I'm on it because of the marketplace mostly. But you know how it goes. Uh, you, you, you see an article of something, and, and, and people, people like to take up this forum as a, a place to try to argue or convince other people of their of their position or their opinion uh, that it's right and others are wrong and, and, and nothing ever good comes out of it. You never convince anybody of anything on Facebook. Have you ever noticed that? 
you read through the, the comments, you know, what, the things that are going on currently, should you get vaccinated, should you not, you know, what is all of this stuff, and, and the arguments that go on through the comments, and, and you, hear, you look and you read like, oh, well, cite your sources, please, you know, you got facts for that, and then somebody will list all of these links and all of these sources, and then what do you see? They just start arguing about the sources or the validity of the source or even the content of it. And nothing is accomplished. No one is convinced of anything. You know what I'm talking about? Most of the time I start reading that and just start rolling my eyes like, oh, I, I, I can't waste my time on this. And so I try to stay off of it, I guess. But that's not the message this morning. People have already made their minds up and they're not going to be convinced. If that makes sense. You follow what I'm saying? Well, that's sort of the case of what's happening in our text this morning. The Jews, in the blindness of their heart, would not be convinced that Jesus was truly sent of God. They were still clamoring for a sign from Christ that he was truly the Christ. Look at verse 30 again of John chapter 6. They said therefore unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? You see what they're, the question that they're asking? It's very significant that they ask this question. Now look at verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so here they say, what sign do you show us that you're really the Christ? What work do you work that we might believe you? And they said, our fathers ate manna in the desert. Moses gave them that manna in the desert. So what do you work? Well, it's really significant that they ask this question, what work do you do? Because this statement comes on the heels of what Jesus had just done in feeding the 5,000 plus women and children. He had just worked an entire miracle with five loaves and two fishes, and he fed thousands and thousands of people. He did something that only God could do, a total miracle. And here they say, well, what work do you do that we would believe you? You understand? These people would not be convinced. They'd already made their minds up. But now look at verse 32. Look what Jesus says. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Jesus says, Moses didn't give you that bread. Your fathers ate that manna from heaven, but Moses didn't give it to you. But my Father is giving you something even better. He's giving you true bread from heaven, the kind that when you eat this bread, you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst again. And then Jesus begins to reveal himself to these people as the bread of life, the bread from heaven, of which that manna that their fathers ate was a type of. It was a type of Christ that Jesus is the bread of life for their soul. And so this morning, I want us to consider Jesus Christ this morning as the true bread. This is the bread of life discourse that Jesus gives. And I want to work through this passage 
and point to Jesus Christ as the true bread, the bread of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning. Lord, may it penetrate hearts. Lord, may your spirit have free reign to bring about conviction of the need of the soul. Lord, to cause us to rejoice and adore the one who gave his life for the world. And Father, I pray that you'd accomplish your purpose today. Draw men to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want you to notice with me is in verse 32, and I want you to notice the source of this bread. Again, Jesus, the bread of life. But notice the source of this bread. Verse 32, Jesus says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. What is the source of the bread? Well, it's my Father. My Father gives you this true bread from heaven. Jesus says it wasn't Moses that gave you that true bread from heaven, but God is trying to give you something that will really satisfy your soul. Now the question arises, what exactly is the bread? What is this true bread? Well, look at verse 33. Jesus says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. So what is the bread? Well, Jesus says it's the one who comes down from heaven and gives life from the world. But look at verse 38. Verse 38, Jesus says, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And so what is the bread? Well, Jesus is making it abundantly clear that he himself is the spiritual bread for the soul who is sent from God himself to you. Every aspect of Jesus' character, every act that he performed, every word that he spoke, everything that Jesus did all proved that he was from heaven. He wasn't just an ordinary man. And in their heart, I think these people actually knew that. In their heart, they understood that, but they didn't want to admit it. Even the Pharisees, who denied Jesus, knew that he was from God. Go back to John chapter 3 and verse 2. We find in John 3 the meeting of Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was part of the Sanhedrin and he comes to Jesus by night, and he did that probably because of fear of, his other, of the other Pharisees. But in, in, in John 3 and verse 2, it talks about this Nicodemus, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher, come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Even the Pharisees in their heart knew this. They knew he was from God, but they wouldn't admit it. In John chapter 5, in verse 36, Jesus says, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Verse 37, And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Look at John chapter 9. John chapter 9. In verse 30, John 9, 30 says, The, the man answered and said unto him, While we hear him is a marvelous thing, 
which ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. This passage is about the man that was born blind who received his sight. And the Pharisees came, and they were berating him. And, and he answered that, I don't know who he is, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. And here they keep berating him, and, and, and you get down to verse 30 there, and, and the man answered the Pharisees back, and he says, here's a marvelous thing. You know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. This is the attitude of heart of these Pharisees who, even in their own heart, they knew. Because no one could do what Jesus did if God was not with him. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Peter, in Acts 2, when he's preaching, he says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. They knew. And the question then comes to mind, if the source of this true bread was God, and Jesus is that true bread, and these people said they believed in God, why did they not come to Him? Why did they not come to Him? Why did they not believe on Him? It's not for lack of proof. It's because they chose not to. People who've already convinced themselves in their minds are not going to believe. But why did they not believe? Well, I think if we go over to John chapter 11, we get a little insight as to why. John chapter 11 in verse 47 gives us really the motive of their heart. John 11, 47 says, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council, and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone... All men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. What was the motive of their heart? Why did they not come to him? Because they wanted the accolades. They wanted the life that they had for themselves. They wanted the prestige and the people. And they said, if we don't do something about this, everyone's going to believe on Jesus, and we're going to lose our station in life. They wanted the life that they had. And here is the, those who say they believe in God. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the one who can give life to your soul. Why won't you come to me? And the reason they would not is because their heart was deceitful and wicked. They convinced themselves that he's just another man. Even though deep in their heart they knew that he was from God. 
And what Jesus is saying to the or to the Pharisees and, and these people, he says, you, you have such opportunity and you have such blessing from God, from God himself. The source of this bread is from God himself. It's spiritual. It's life-giving bread. It's a gift of the mercy and the grace of God the Father who is sending me as a provision for your hungry spiritual soul. The answer is right here but they would not. And here's the application that I want to make with that. I tried to lay all that out for you to make this application right here. It's very heartbreaking, and it's very sad when people become stubborn toward God, when people have opportunity from God, God Himself, who loves your soul. People have opportunity from God, and what do they do? They walk away from the truth. They walk away from their opportunity. How many, how many kids, how many young people grow up in church, a place where the Word of God is preached, an opportunity to hear from God? They grow up in church, but they walk away from it, even denying that Jesus is God. Why does that happen? Because they want their own life. They want their own life of sin. And John 3 describes that for us. Go over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 19. Jesus said this, and this is the condemnation. Here is why people are condemned. That light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. There's light that comes into the world, illumination for the soul. And why don't people respond? Because they love their darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. The truth of who Jesus is is very plain to see to those who are willing to see. He is the gift of God for the hungry soul. And that leads us to our next point. If you go back to John chapter 6, please. Not only do we see the source of this bread, but secondly, I want you to notice the form of this bread. In verse 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. What is the form of this bread? I am the bread of life. Christ is not one who gives the bread, but he is the bread. He himself is the bread of life. There is nothing else that can give eternal life than the bread of life, who is Jesus Christ, the life. Back in Exodus, chapter 16 when the nation of Israel was wandering in the desert and God was going to provide food for them he gave them manna from heaven and they had never seen this before it was, it was food for them directly from God and in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 15 the Bible says and when the children of Israel saw it they said one to another it is manna for they wist not what it was. And note this. And Moses said unto them, This 
is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. That was said of the manna in the Old Testament. And friend, let me say that is absolutely true of Jesus Christ. This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat for your soul. He's the gift of God to this world who gives life to this world. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat for your soul. Listen, no one will ever see heaven on their own. Friend, you might think right here today that when you leave this life that you are going to stand before God and you're going to go to heaven. Everybody wants to. Listen, I've talked to some people before about this very issue, and I said, where are you going to go when you die? And they're like, oh, uh, you can only go to one or two places. It's either heaven or hell. Oh, well, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to go to hell because that's where all of our friends are. And we're going to party it up, and it's just going to be for all eternity. And I was like, no, friend, you're not. Let me show you what the Bible says about hell. And I take them over, and I turn to the book of Matthew, and I, t- I show them how, how it's a place that burneth with fire and brimstone, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Take them over to Luke chapter, uh, chapter 16, where the, the rich man in hell lift up his eyes in torment and in this flame. No, friend, you're not going to party it up. So people are like, well, we're going to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I'll ask you the question, friend, where are you going to go when you die? Because the fact is you're going to. No one's going to escape death. It comes for every man. Where are you going to go when you die? Well, I want to go to heaven. But here I come back to the statement that no one is ever going to see heaven on their own. No one's ever going to see heaven on their own. No one's ever going to have their sins forgiven through Mohammed. No one's ever going to have their sins forgiven through Buddha. No one's ever going to have their sins forgiven through some religious ceremony or anything else. The point I'm trying to make is that Jesus Christ is the bread of heaven. He's the bread of life. He's the only one who can save a soul. You'll never stand before God justified, friend, because you thought that you were a good person. I've asked people that question many times. You think you're a good person? Yeah, I think I'm a pretty good person. I say, well, would you take a test to see if that's true? And they're like, sure, I'll take that test. I said, what if I could show you by your own standard that you're not a good person? What would you say to that? So then they want to take that test, and we walk through a good person test. You ever told a lie? Well, yeah. Everybody tells a lie. What do you call somebody who tells lies? A liar? Okay, so you admitted that you're a liar. Say, have you ever stolen something? Taken something that doesn't belong to you? Well, yeah, I mean... Who hasn't? Everybody's done that. So what do you call somebody who steals things? A thief? Yep. So you just admitted you're a thief. 
Have you ever looked at somebody with lust in your heart? Well, yeah. Well, the Bible calls that person an adulterer. So you've admitted that you've committed adultery. Have you ever killed someone? Well, no, I've never killed anybody, no. Well, Jesus says that if you have hate in your heart towards somebody, it's the same as if you've murdered them. Oh. So, by your own admission, you're a liar, you're a thief, you're an adulterer, and you're a murderer. By your own standard, would you say that's a good person? No, I guess not. Well, that's God's standard, friend. You think that you can be a good person? You think that you can keep the Ten Commandments? You think that you can live a life like, well, I'm respectful to people and I help people and I do good things in this life and I don't, I, you know, I'm not like other people are. And we, we, people take that standard and they hope that when they leave this life, they're going to stand before God and God's going to say, hey, you are a pretty good person. I'll let you into heaven. When in reality, there's no good person. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. We're all wicked. We're all sinful. We came into this world that way. And that is the reason that we need the bread of life for the soul. Because we're spiritually dead in trespasses and sin. No one will ever see heaven. No one will ever find favor with God because you thought that you were a good person. Listen, these Jews that Jesus is talking to, they would never find favor with God because they kept the commandments because they couldn't possibly keep them. And what I'm saying to you is that the form of this bread, the life-giving bread, is in Jesus Christ. There is no other way to find favor with God. Go to verse 32. I need to move along here. Verse 32. Thirdly, we find the nature of this bread. The nature of this bread. The source of the bread is God the Father. The form of the bread, Jesus. I am the bread of life. But what is the nature of this bread? Verse 32, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. There are three things about the nature of this bread. First of all, note that it's the true bread. Verse 32 says, My Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. That statement, the true bread, is pretty significant. What is the true bread? Well, true bread implies that there are things that look like bread, but they aren't bread. There's only one that's the true bread. Does that make sense? You follow that? The true bread is that which fully meets and perfectly satisfies all the needs of a man's soul. That's true bread, the right kind. There are things that look like it, but it's not true. The true bread meets all the needs of the soul. Listen, the vain philosophies, the religions of this world, they can never satisfy the needs of a man's soul. 
There's none other name under heaven that has the virtues in it that is needed for the healing of the sorrows and the sores of the sin-sick soul. Let me give you an illustration. You remember Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch? The Bible says that he went to Jerusalem. He was searching after God. He was seeking to worship God. He had been in Jerusalem. He is leaving Jerusalem. He's in his chariot, and he's reading in the prophet Isaiah, and he's all alone, and the Spirit of God caught Philip and said, hey, I want you to go join yourself to that chariot. Philip's running alongside the chariot, and he's listening to this guy read, and Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I except some man should guide me? I need somebody to, to explain this to me. And he wanted Philip to come into the chariot and explain to him what this was. And he says, what I'm reading, is, he, is this guy talking about himself or is he talking about some other man? And Philip, the Bible says, began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. This man was searching for God. This man came to Jerusalem to worship but he couldn't find what he was looking for. He couldn't find the thing that satisfied his soul. What was it that satisfied his soul? When Philip preached unto Jesus. And in the end of that passage, he says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And the man was saved. What am I saying here? The true bread is the one that meets the need of every soul. Religion and philosophy in the world can never satisfy the need of the soul. What is it that satisfies the longing? What was it that satisfied the Ethiopian eunuch when Philip preached unto him Jesus? Listen, friend, what, let, listen, think about this. Why do people of other religions, and there are religions in the East and so on, where people will crawl on their knees until they're bloody, and they'll crawl up these stairs on their hands and knees so that they can offer some sort of a prayer and some sort of a sacrifice to false gods. Why do they do that over and over and over again? Because their soul is not satisfied. Why does the drunk keep going back to the bottle? Why does the addict keep going back to the needle or to their porn over and over again? Why? Because their soul is not satisfied. Jesus Christ is the true bread because only He can satisfy the need of a man's soul to be right with God. He's the true bread. There's other things out there that look like it, but it's not true. It'll never satisfy. But I also want you to note another thing about the nature of this bread. Not only is Jesus the true bread, but He's the bread of God. Verse 33 says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life to the world. Not only does Jesus Christ meet all the hunger of a man's heart after God, but he meets the hunger of God's heart toward men. Jesus said, actually God the Father said in Matthew 3, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. But then in John 3, in verse 16, we find that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In verse 17, the Bible says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. 
In 2 Peter 3, in verse 9, the second part of that verse says that God is long-suffering to usward, and God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And what I'm saying is the heart of God towards sinful men is one of love. But man cannot come to God. We're separated from God. We're separated from any kind of relationship with God because of our sin. Sin condemns us to die. So God made provision for us through His Son. God poured out His wrath, friend, on my sin and on your sin. He poured out His righteous judgment on Jesus Christ, the one that I should have taken. And the Bible says that God saw the travail of His soul and was satisfied. Jesus Christ meets the desire of God's heart after man. God wants to save you. He wants to save me. But we can't come to God. God made a provision for us through His Son. He's the bread of God. And I would simply say to you this morning, if you're not saved, you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, your sins haven't been forgiven, you'll never see heaven on your own. You need the bread of life. I would say to you, if you're saved this morning, adore and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The one who can both satisfy the heart of God and man. Thirdly, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. What is the nature of this bread? The bread of life. Verse 35, I am the bread of life. He's the living and life-giving bread. Look at verse 48 of the same passage. Jesus said again, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that if a man may eat thereof, or that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus said, the bread that I'm going to give, if you eat of this bread, you'll never die. But he said, the bread that I'm going to give is my flesh, which I'll give for the life of the world. Now, what does he mean by that? Because some people have a hard time understanding it. Some people have a hard time receiving it and accepting it, as these people did. They're like, how can this man give us his flesh to eat and his blood for us to drink? Well, Jesus says later on in verse 63, he says, It's the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He's speaking spiritually here. And he's saying the the, the bread that I'm going to give is my flesh, but I'm going to give it for the life of the world. What he's talking about is not physically eating his flesh. What he's talking about is that he was going to sacrifice himself on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood so that you and I could be saved. Right before the crucifixion, we find the narrative of the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper. And in that, when Jesus was with his disciples, the Bible says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said to them, 
This is my body, which is broken for you. Now, he's not saying that that bread was physically his body, but that bread symbolized his body. Symbolically, Jesus is saying, this is about what is about to happen to my body. He was about to be crucified. He was about to be tortured at the hands of sinful men. This is my body which is broken for you. More importantly, though, than that, he was about to take the wrath of God upon himself for the sin of the world. Eating the bread is simply this, receiving Jesus Christ by faith. Believing that what he did on the cross of Calvary was for me and for my sin, that he became sin for me, that he paid the debt of sin that I could never pay, that he took my death and believing on him, and what he did on Calvary is to receive eternal life. It's an amazing thing, friend. That leads us to the next point, the purpose of this bread. The purpose of this bread, verse 33, the second part of verse 33 Jesus says, and giveth life unto the world. He says, the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. What is the purpose? What was the purpose of Jesus Christ coming into this world? To die. To shed his blood. So life could be given to the world. You know what? The world has many things that are attractive and useful to mankind, but it doesn't have and it cannot give spiritual life. The world is in chaos, friends. It's clamoring for something. It's clamoring for peace and satisfaction. The world is really hungry at its heart for true light and true bread that will satisfy. But in unbelief, the world can't even look beyond itself. Man is always looking to himself for the answer. And the problem is that he will then always be without Christ if he's looking to himself. A scoffer might say, well, I don't see the problem here. We can do anything. Well, the problem is this. Ephesians 2 and verse 12 says that at that time you were without Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. What am I saying? Without Jesus Christ, there's no hope for your soul. Without Jesus Christ, there's no hope for your soul. Listen, friend, it's bad enough to be without money in this life. It's bad enough to lose your health in this life. It's bad enough to be homeless in this life. It's bad enough to be lonely without companions. But it's far worse to be without Christ because there's no hope for your soul. So if Jesus Christ is the bread of life, and we need that bread of life, and there is no other life outside of Jesus Christ, how then do we partake of that bread? I need it. Are you with me? Well, I want you to look at verse 35. Verse 35 says, Actually, I want you to, yeah, verse 35, I was in the wrong verse, sorry. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me 
shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. How is this bread received? Well, there's two simple words that are used here to express how the bread of life is received. Jesus says, He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. To come to Christ is a definite choice of the will. After being drawn by God Himself, to come to Christ is a choice. These people in our passage wouldn't come. They understood. They even knew in their heart but they wouldn't come. They chose not to, even after it was clear who He was. To come to Christ is a choice of the will after being drawn by God. And Jesus said, No man can come to Me except the Father which hath sent Me draw him. So God illumines. God opens our understanding. We start to see, I've got need of this bread. How do I get it? I've got to come to Christ. Being drawn of God is having our spiritual understanding open to us concerning our condition before Him. That I'm in trouble with God because of my sin. I've offended God because of my sin. I tell lies. I've got bad attitudes. I've got wrong thoughts. I do all kinds of things. I thought I was a good person, but I guess I'm not a good person. And the Bible says that all my sin requires death and judgment. I'm in trouble with God. My only hope is Jesus Christ. I need to come to Him. Being drawn of God is having our understanding open to us concerning our condition before God, that I'm full of sin, that I'm undone, that I'm guilty, that I deserve wrath. So coming to Christ is acknowledging that I have nothing in myself. I can't do anything to save myself. My heart is deceitful and wicked. I'm in trouble, and He's my only hope. It's the heart of repentance toward God that causes us to come to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, the one who comes to me is never going to hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. What is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ? It's simply in faith. Believing that what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary in shedding His blood was to redeem my soul. And it's only through His blood that I can be made right with God. I believe it. And I put my faith in that. It's not in religion. It's not in doing good works. It's not in being a good person. It's not possible. It's only in Jesus Christ and His blood. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. You can't buy your salvation. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't earn it. It's not received through vain conversation, received by tradition of your fathers. It's not through religion. But what is it through? Verse 19, But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's how our soul is redeemed. I want you to look at verse 53 with me. I'm almost done. We'll wrap it up right now. Verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. 
Now look at verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus is speaking spiritually here. When he says, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. But he's speaking spiritually. If I'm not in your heart, if you haven't received my payment for your sin, if you haven't put your faith and your trust in what I've done for you, you don't have eternal life because it's the only way you can be saved. It's not through religion. All that Jesus said that day to these people was spiritual. And Jesus said it that way on purpose because he knew what was in their heart. Verse 64, But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. He knew from the beginning what was in their heart. So he said it this way on purpose. Look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They wouldn't receive it. But I want you to notice the fact that it wasn't because there wasn't evidence of who he was. They made a choice. But there were others who made the right choice. Look at verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a statement. The question is being asked of some of you today. Will you also go away? Will you also go away? Will you walk away from the truth? That Jesus is the bread of life for your soul. That you're never going to be right with God without Him. It's never going to be found in religion or good works or anything else. You need to repent of your sin and put your faith in Christ. Come to Christ. Then you'll find rest for your soul. Will you walk away? Or will your answer be like Peter? Lord, we believe and we're sure that thou hast the word in life. Are you saved today? Where are you going to go when you die? What if you died today? Where would your soul spend eternity? Only Jesus Christ is the bread of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you work in hearts today, draw men to yourself, and I pray for the one, or two, or three, or whoever, Lord, I can't see into the heart of any person. But I pray for people who are not saved today. The Spirit of God has been drawing and convicting. Lord, may they ponder the question, what if I died today, where would I go? Jesus said, unless, unless you have me, you don't have eternal life. It's not found in any other person or any other thing. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20 that it is repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ that brings about salvation of a soul. Lord, may your Spirit have free course to work and to draw today. In Jesus' name, amen.